0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1514.
1: If you do what you believe is right rather than what is expected, there will be people who appreciate what you create and want to share it with you. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride
0: here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from Cleveland, Georgia, Jake Raby. Jake Raby is the founder and president of Raby Enterprises, a company he established back in 1998. You can think of him as an owner, an inventor, and a developer. He started working with Porsche engines at the young age of 13, and he founded Rabies Air cooled Technology, a company specializing in high-performance air-cooled engines for Porsche and VW applications. He holds five U.S. patents and recently completed his second step-by-step engine rebuilding video titled, A Focus on M9X Engine Assembly. Jake has worked with Tony Callis of Callis Rensport. He's a past guest here on Cars yeah, as a co-instructor. And today, a unique thing he's done is teamed up with his eight-year-old daughter, Ava, to form a training program aimed at helping children to help them with mechanical things, learning components, disassembling, and reassembling things in a series of multimedia resources, including a step-by-step video. Very cool. We'll be back in just a moment to talk with Jake. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars yeah possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars yeah? I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft Seat Covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft Seat Covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to carsia.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey Jake, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I've got my five point harness on and I'm ready to go.
0: All right, I'll try to keep it between the lines here. Before I jump into some of the questions, the first thing I want to ask you is what's maybe one thing that most people don't know about Jake Raby?
1: Well, it's kind of ironic. Most people don't know that I used to not have an appreciation and did not like Porsches that had a radiator. Basically, water-cooled Porsches, the thing that we're known for now, building and developing those engines and inventing tools and processes and components. There was a time that I had to be convinced that I should like these things. And, you know, I basically jumped over the whole kind of 944, 924, 928 time of Porsche, uh, you know, era. And we jumped straight from air-cooled engines directly into the M96 engines in the early 2000s and started solving those problems. But, you know, there was a time I had to be convinced that that was something wise to do.
0: You know, I'm not too surprised by that. Being a Porsche guy and a VW guy going way back, uh, I was kind of the same way when those cars started coming online thinking, uh-huh, what are they doing? But, You know, everything evolves, and as you learned, uh, there's a huge market there, and people have a need for help, and you've filled that need. So uh, thanks for sharing that little tidbit with us. As we continue on this journey, I'm going to call your life. I'd like to start with a mantra or some kind of a success quote that has meaning for you. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Jake, grab the wheel.
1: So a, a quote that really hits home with me is, if you do what you believe is right, Rather than what is expected, there will be people who appreciate what you create and want to share it with you. That is a quote, of course, by Dr. Portia. And, and I've tried to basically execute my business based off of that because I like to work with black sheep. I like to work with things people don't understand. And that's really what me into the water-cooled stuff was that it was misunderstood. Nobody else was doing it. And it, it was just an opportunity to be a pioneer at a time where a pioneer was needed. You know, a lot of the things that we did, people laughed at, you know, other people in the industry, they would say, why are you working on those engines? You can buy a brand new one for five grand from Porsche and the crate. But we knew that wasn't going to happen for long. We knew there was things out there that people wanted. We knew there was a a niche to take that engine and create something by hand that the factory didn't give us. And that's something bigger, better, stronger, and funner to own and drive. And that's what we've done. So I've tried to really execute that. And, and it's worked, I mean, because I don't follow the leader. I try to be the leader. I try to blaze a trail that's so hard to follow that you've got to be just as hardcore as me to follow me. And that whole thing about creating something and people sharing it with you, well, I've got basically a year's worth of backlog at our at our Flat Six Innovations division where people are wanting to share it with us. Um, yeah. Also, there, <laughs> there's one more point as well, and and that is with everything that happens in business and and all the things that we have to deal with all the time I stay engaged and I don't sit behind a desk here I still build engines I've actually got an engine on my bench right here now so you know I don't I try to be the the guy that continues to develop I don't want to sit behind a desk I didn't start this business to really be a business person I started this business so I could build engines the way that I wanted to and nobody could tell me what to do
0: <laughs> well Dr. Portia smiling at you right now. No doubt. I think that's a great way to go. And it's, it's obviously proved to be massively successful. Let's have you talk a bit about Raby Enterprises because there's a lot of facets to this business that you've created. You have flat six innovations. You have Raby air cool technology, the knowledge group, specialty vehicle transport. I mean, all these things you're into. I, I look at your history here and what you sent me. And I'm like, how does this guy have enough time in a day? He must never sleep. So. Kind of walk the, the listeners through these different aspects of Arabi Enterprises.
1: think that there's a lot of association with everything that we do and everything we work with. But then at the same time, there needs to be that separation between them. Because, you know, like with the air-cooled stuff, with air-cooled technology – I still build a lot of those engines myself, and they're four-cylinder Porsches. You know, they're 356, 912. We do a a lot with a Type 4 engine, the 914 engine, converting that into 912s and Beetles and all that sort of thing. So that is completely different than what I've done at Flat 6 Innovations, which is innovate these water-cooled engines. Now, of course, we still do some air-cooled engine building at Flat 6 Innovations, too, But, you know, we're not known for that. Even though we cut our teeth with it, that's what we all really kind of like to escape to. uh, And we love working on those. They are associated, but they have to be kept separate. And then the Knowledge Group is a company that I founded to help share information with professionals and enthusiasts alike through hands-on training that we do here at my facility in Georgia, where I've got a 5,000-square-foot building that is set aside just for research and development and training. We've had people come from all over the world. I've, I've actually had a 15-person class, and in that class, there were only five people from North America. Everybody else was from South Africa, Australia, Hong Kong—you name oh, it. Oh, cool! Uh, so, yeah. so that that's interesting that we bring people to this little town in North Georgia, and yes. we go and, and we go upstairs and we learn about these engines. So that side of the house is more about the training the the sharing of information you know we we do instructional videos we actually share with my youtube channel renvision. TV and we do a lot of things like that on the knowledge group side but again everything is just as separated as it is incorporated with each other and all these things share kind of like a, a one common thing and that's me but one thing that I, I will say I've been very blessed with the employees who have basically joined with me on this journey uh, over the last 22 years, one of which who has been with me for 22 years. We used to work together at a local import shop, and he's he's been here with me since the very beginning. Those people are what has enabled everything, and, and some of those people started with me on the air-cooled side. Most all of them actually did, and then as I learned about the water-cooled stuff, they were still building air-cooled engines, and then they would cross-train. I would train them what I had learned and, you know, now they can do air-cooled and water-cooled. And again, like me, they they go back to the air-cooled stuff kind of now as as our retreat. You know, it's kind of funny how you do work like this and you, you kind of don't really get tired of doing it, but you need to throw that other odd engine in the mix every now and then to keep your skills up and, and to kind of go full circle. But I've been really blessed to have really good people. And those people are, are what has basically created this business. My My newest engine builder has been here for 14 years.
0: <laughs> you know, it's a testament to who you are, Jake, for sure. And uh, everyone that I've talked to that knows you just say, what a great guy. So that's why I'm very excited to have you on the show. Tell our listeners real quickly about this this project you're doing with your daughter, Ava.
1: Yeah, so um, it's kind of ironic. Last year at Christmas, actually at 2018 Christmas, my daughter had this old go-kart that belongs to the family. And we actually bought it for her cousins years ago before we had Ava. Everybody just wore this thing out. I mean, it smoked. It didn't want to idle. So all the kids got older, and then Ava kind of took the thing over. And, you know, I bought her a new engine for it for Christmas, put it under the Christmas tree and said, you know, we're going to put this on the go-kart. So then I had an idea. She always goes to the shop with me. I have a, a second facility, which is right across the road from our house. And it's fully equipped. And I'm actually putting a dyno cell in there now. And she comes with me. We work on stuff. We ride in crazy vehicles. We ride around in tanks. We do weird stuff. So she's she's definitely got the genes from my wife and I both because my wife's an accountant. And Ava's really good with math, and I'm not. But long story short, I said, well, you know, just like I want her to build her first car when she gets older, I want her to put this engine on the go-kart, but I want her to understand how it works. So I took a Saturday when it was really rainy outside. We took the engine apart and we created our own resource material. So just like when I tear apart a, a really rare engine that nobody else has really knows anything about or it's the first time we take apart something that Portia has created for the marketplace and there's no directives, I did the same thing with her. I pretended there was no manual. So she took it apart, videos, pictures, bagging and tagging components, labeling those bags and tags in order. And doing all the things that I do, I was just trying to teach her that this is the way that you handle a project where you're walking into something that you don't know the end result. And she blew me away. I I was not pushing this on her. We did it when she wanted to do it, which I think is a key with a child. uh, Because if you push anything on them, especially her, she's not going to want to do it. So (laughs) she takes it all apart. She gets more and more enthusiastic as she's doing it. And, of course, I'm just loving this, right? We get it all taken apart. And that was a day. And then we took a couple of weeks off from it. And then we decided to put it back together again. So that night, after we finished putting it back together, she was talking to me all about this and it hit me. I said, you know, the reason why I am where I am is because of shop classes that we had in school that you don't have anymore. So I told Ava, I said, what would you think about sharing this with other kids? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, Ava, we could teach other kids how to do this by giving them a kit of tools and videos to, to help them and do all the things that she and I have done. She she was all about it. She goes and gets a piece of notebook paper. She starts writing down a list of everything that it takes to make this training kit, you know, safety glasses, gloves, all the special tools, the actual hand tools, right down to the 10 millimeter wrench. And then I pass it around to some people that, that, that I'm close to. And they said, look, this would be a great thing for parents and children to do together because you don't have to have anything more than a five by five area in the corner of your apartment to do this. You know, you can bring it in, you can teach the kid and then, you know, at the end of it, they can crank it up because it's a lawnmower engine, basically a go-kart engine. So that spiraled into me telling the leadership at my daughter's school about this and they were all over it. They said, you know, we've lost all our funding for shop classes If you could create something that would turn a classroom into a workshop by simply bringing that into the classroom, we would buy that from you. So that started the Mechanical Kids program. And and, right now, we just were able to take delivery of the last special tools, and we're ready to start sharing things about this and putting kits together. We have 60 engines lined up already, 60 sets of tools. And, you know, I've already got half of those sold without even trying. So, you know, that's something she's (laughs) learning. She's learning about business. She's going to fill the orders. And she loves all this stuff. There's nothing that I'm pushing on her. So that's what Mechanical Kids is all about. I really think that it's something that parents and children will have some bonding time with. At the same time, the the classroom version of it is going to help find some children that have mechanical aptitude that never would have known it otherwise.
0: Yeah, the opportunity. You know, we should send Mike Rowe over to your place to do a special issue. He's so uh, uh, big on this whole idea of young people and even old people, but learning to do things in what used to be called the blue-collar world, which seems to finally be kind of coming back around. We need people that can do this, that have the aptitudes. I think it's fantastic. What a lucky dad you are to do this with your daughter. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, Jake, and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. And the most important part of this, of course, of any failure is the lesson learned so you can move forward in a positive light. So what would you like to share?
1: Well, I don't believe in failure. I think that, you know, it's it's one of those things where every success at some point has some type of failure that helps you to get to that success. And, it, and sometimes that failure just helps you to appreciate what you created more. You know, even though there's been some challenges in business and been some challenges with mechanical things and creating things that people haven't done before, you know, my biggest challenge in life was when Ava was born, actually. And at birth, we noted that she had a a spinal birth defect, which was basically, it was basically spina bifida. My connections in the Porsche world basically got her fixed by, for lack of a better term, because one of my customers was a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon in Akron, Ohio, and he was, you know, he was a really good guy, and of course, you know, he works on babies that are about 700 grams every day, and that's what he does, is deals with, with you know, heart heart defects. So, as soon as my daughter's born, they lift her up short to me, and I see a spot in the middle of her back that didn't look right, and my wife had had every kind of chance, you know, test done, everything was normal, this was a normal scenario, until we saw that she had this membrane barely covering up the bottom of her spinal column. I snap a photo of it. I send it to Dr. Phil, this guy that that, that I'm talking about in Akron. And within minutes, I had a phone call from him saying, people in the NICU are not going to tell you what you need to know. You're a big boy. You can take this. I'm telling you now, this is basically spina bifida. But this doctor in Akron, Ohio, had just sent one of his best neurosurgeons out of his group and just came to Atlanta, which is oh, wow. right down the road from us. So yeah. before the hospital had even told us that our daughter had this going on and what it was, because yes. they didn't already alarm. knew, we already yeah. knew, and we already had everything in place for her to have oh surgery to have this corrected within two days. So they come, they come wow. into the, the room and they tell me and my wife, "Well, you know, this is so and so." I said, "Look, it's a myelomangia cell. It's a form of spina bifida." Ava's going to be getting picked up at seven o'clock this evening via angel care and taken to Eggleston's Children's Hospital in Atlanta. She's going to have surgery no later than Wednesday morning.
0: Wow. (laughs) Your doctors in that hospital must have gone, who
1: the hell are you? (laughs) Exactly. They said, what's going How did you know this? I said, well, it's neither here nor there. Don't worry about it. But she's going to get what she needs. So that by far, probably the absolute biggest challenge I've ever had. But you know, I kind of go into things looking and preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And the whole week before she was born, I kind of had that feeling like I needed to be overly prepared. So I had all my business stuff set up. All my people knew everything they needed to do. I treated it like we had a problem, even though we didn't. So when the problem popped up, we had an answer for it right away. It, and it and it was it was definitely a big hit because, you know, there was no warning signs it was just like right out of the blue
0: yeah well that's i'll let our listeners know that uh jake's uh an, is a marine you're never an ex-marine you're always a marine uh so uh, again thank you for your service hoorah uh to that but always being prepared always being ready and taking action uh you know one of the things i learned long ago is it's one thing to identify a challenge it's quite another to do something about it and so many people freeze and they They don't take action. And the fact that you did what you did, it just makes me smile. And Ava's fine today, obviously. She's
1: doing well. She is phenomenal. She, um, when a child has that, they go into a worst case scenario. They give the family and the child support groups and doctors that handle all the different aspects of this, from neuro to the urologist, all of those different doctors. She doesn't even have to go back anymore and see any of her doctor's. So not even for checkups. So she runs around, you know, she's she's got a junior dragster that she's going to start racing this year. She rides dirt bikes. She does everything that other kids, you know, physically should be able to do. But she's got a she's got a nasty scar on her back that'll be there forever.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh, good to hear she's doing well. Hoorah to Ava as well. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. And we will be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSJA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green and I love Sports Car Market magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, we're back, and I have a bit of a, a question for you, kind of a, a, a question about what instigated this passion you have for cars. I have a feeling you've been a car guy forever. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you were younger, when you knew, you know what, I'm going to be working with cars for the rest of my life?
1: Yeah, well, you know, my dad had bad knees when I was a kid. He had me pretty late in life. So he he uh, his knee surgery happened when I was seven years old. And we basically had a, a 1973 Volkswagen thing. And, you know, I still have a 1973 Volkswagen thing. This particular car is the car I came home from the hospital in as an infant. So we, we needed to change the oil in it. And we rebuilt the engine, uh, had somebody locally rebuild it. My dad wasn't a mechanic, he was a banker. And we needed to change the brake in oil. So I crawled under the car and I drained the oil out of it. I left the drain plug loose or really, not the drain plug, but I left uh, some of the, the six millimeter fasteners on the outside a little loose and left a big oil spot in the floor and things like that. But, you know, I was forced to kind of do that because my dad couldn't get into the car and do it. And then, you know, after that, my parents could just see that I had a mechanical gene And I got that from my grandfather, who was also an inventor, and he built a power plant that basically supplied power to the first full community in the world back in 1906. And it still runs today. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, at the Koreshian Unity State Park in South Florida. And uh, it was built in 1906. And during the time he was there, he was the director of electrical engineering for that Unity, which basically was a cult. And you can go read up about the Koreshians uh, in Google. But my grandfather was part of that. And I do believe that I got most of my genes from him uh, when it comes to doing mechanical stuff. But you know, that Volkswagen working on that then led to me taking $8 of my allowance, which is what I got every week, buying a, a push mower that didn't run anymore from my neighbor who was highly intoxicated at the time. And, uh, um, oh, so, so I end up <laughs> taking this lawnmower and I paint it up and I make it run. And, you know, I, I learned that. You know how ignition systems worked on lawnmower engines, and if the flywheel has rust on it, you don't have any spark, and that's why it wouldn't run. So I figured all that out, basically sold a lawnmower, and I used the money that I profited to buy another lawnmower, which was a riding mower. I turned around, partially restored that, and traded it in fifty bucks for a nineteen seventy Volkswagen beetle that I very quickly destroyed after that, so I was the kid that was always when we were in school, I was always in shop classes because the teachers kind of gave up on me academically. And I had some teachers that really kind of stepped in and told the school system, Hey, this kid's going to do things his own way. Let's let him do it. And those teachers today, I owe them a lot because they, they took up for me, but you know, there's no shop classes anymore. So a kid like me would be really lost in today's world. But, you know, so I, I really knew after I did that, ended up with that Volkswagen that, I wanted to do this. It's all I cared about. You see, when I would get home from school, I would change my clothes and I would go straight to a, to an old barn that we had that had a dirt floor in it. And I would build stuff. I, I would build stuff, blow stuff up. I partnered with my dad. We'd buy stuff that was broken. He would buy it, pay for the parts. I would then fix it. We would sell it and split the profit. I learned you know, about business from the time I was 10 years old. During that period of time was really when I knew that this is what I wanted to do because I'd sit around and I would draw my dream shop. You know what I mean? Like where everything is going to be. And that really, to answer the question, you know, I was probably eight or nine years old by the time that that's all I cared about. It's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to be at school. I wanted to be working in the shop.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, you talk about that first VW, but is there a first vehicle in your life that you got that had great meaning for you?
1: Yeah, it's a 1976 Porsche 912 E. I love that because I'm a product of Volkswagens. I love air-cooled Volkswagens, and today I probably have more air-cooled VWs than you know, all the rest of my cars. But you know that the 912 E was the first Porsche body car that I had. I had a 914 before that, but a 914, you know, during that era, you know, it was still like a Volkswagen. You know what I mean? It still had a VW engine in it. So when you look at the 912e it's a 911 body that still has a basically a volkswagen engine because they just use parts from the 914 and some other stuff to kind of create that ultimate 912e touring car with a big fuel tank and 14 inch wheels and and it's a rare car you know only 2099 of them were built and you know i still have the one that that i've got that i fell in love with 24 years ago really you have to get to know that car to understand its benefits and kind of like people have to get to know me to really understand me. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's such a unique car because, you know, they, ha- they had the 912s for a while in the 70s or 60s, rather. And then they went away. And then that one year they came out with that 912E. And it was such an interesting car. It had a, was that what, a two liter VW ty- uh, type flat four in it? It was fuel injected, right?
1: Yep. And basically the E stands for Einspritzung, or the German word for electronic fuel injection because that was one of the first, or basically the first car that, that had EFI. You know, we were coming out of the MFI time period and, and CIS and all this stuff. Uh, it, and at the same time, that was an EFI engine. So, uh, that's where the E came from in case people don't realize that, but it is unique because it's basically the 911 S body that has some Volkswagen bus brake parts on it and some random stuff. It has some unique heater boxes. And and anything on that car that you see that's 923 part number means you cannot find it because it was never reproduced. Uh, It's Uh. 912 specific. And they had some odd parts. And, you know, it, it was one of those cars that nobody really understood because if you took the car to a Porsche shop, they knew all about the car, but they didn't know about, a lot of the Volkswagen aspects of the car, if you took the right. car to a Volkswagen shop, they knew about the engine, but they didn't know about the car. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it really is a kind of hodgepodge you know, smorgasbord of things they put together to create this, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why they say Porsche did it. If you ask me, it was the end of the 914 rain and they had engines left over and they said, look, let's create another 912 and put these engines to good use and call it a touring car. And exactly. I believe that's exactly what
0: they did. It, they probably did, sure. And it was less expensive, an entryway to get into a 911-looking car, uh, which some people that didn't have the budget for the, the bigger 911 engine they could do. Well, it's a, a fascinating car, and I find it interesting that that's, that's the, the first special car. But I don't doubt that because you're into such you, unique things. How about if you woke up tomorrow, Jake, and you were a vehicle? What would you be and why? I think I would be
1: that 912 e because, again— it's a versatile car. It drives good. It can do a lot of things. And like with me and my businesses, you know, I have to do a lot of things. You know, any business owner wears a lot of hats, but around here I can be welding. I can be machining. I can be dynoing an engine. I can be creating a, a product. I can be filing a patent. There's all kinds of things that I can be doing. So, you know, that car is versatile. So am I. And really, like I said, people have to get to know that car to appreciate it because a lot of times people in the Porsche world look down on those cars, or at least they used to. The cars are really coming into their own now because only 2099 were built. Like that car, you kind of have to drive it to understand it. And you got to drive it for a week or so before you really start to really like what it is. Uh, Even with a factory 76-horsepower engine, it's still really fun to drive, even though you have to downshift on every hill. But, you know, just like you have to get to know that car, you kind of have to really get to know me uh, to understand me. So
0: There you go. (laughs) Nice answer, my friend. That's cool. We're earning the last lap here. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that 912E throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has helped you be successful over these years?
1: Earlier, you said that I must not sleep much and definitely not sleeping has been one of the keys to my success. Um, (laughs) To me, a a 20 hour day is kind of normal, but I have a lot of fun. Definitely not sleeping is one of the probably the biggest personal habit (laughs) that's contributed to success.
0: Well, you know, there's some people that can get away with that. I think I've I've even heard that the president, uh, Trump, only sleeps like three or four hours a day. I've known people that can get away with it. I just can't. I need at least seven hours or I just don't function very well. But uh, I'm a bit jealous because I think of all that extra time I would have to do things. So lucky you. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be?
1: Well, it definitely would be Mr. Miles Collier. And
0: oh, you yeah.
1: know, he is such a prolific car collector. He's a master of so many of these cars as far as the knowledge goes. He definitely believes in the future of these cars, and the future is in the past. I've been able to work with him on a couple of projects. I I built an engine for his 56 Beetle, uh, one of my big Type 4 engines uh, a couple of years ago. Now I'm building the engine for his first Porsche, which he got when he uh, graduated from college. And I've spent some time with him, but being able to sit down with him over a drink and talk about a lot of the things, that he has experienced as such a prolific car collector and where a lot of these cars were found, the stories that he has of how he came about finding a lot of this stuff. He even has Dr. Porsche's working party ID, which I've been able to put my hands on. The things that that he's been able to come across and what he's learned about these things is an incredible bit of knowledge.
0: Yeah, I would love to have him as a guest here. Of course, Miles Collier, founder of the Revs Institute, down there in Florida um, fascinating guy I and mean, he and his family brought a lot of racing to the United States back in the 50s so uh, I would like to sit down with him as well for sure how about the best automotive advice someone else has given you
1: don't be afraid to fail that's probably the the biggest thing and then once you once you realize that that failure was part of success you realize it is just it's one of those kind of common denominators because a lot of times we set around and say, well, I haven't seen this before or something blows up and we've never seen that blow up before. You know, I've, I've come up with a response to that is we finally did it enough. And you know, <laughs> yeah. it, that's the thing. So whenever you call somebody up and say, well, I haven't seen this before. Well, until that point, you've lacked experience. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely not being afraid to fail when you're playing in, in the world that I play in and you're doing things the first time. You just can't be afraid to blow things up.
0: I love it. That's great. How about a resource? Is there one that's a great go-to you could share with us? A lot of the things that I do, really, I'm dependent
1: upon myself to come up with it. So, you know, it's not like I can go Google it or whatever. So we have to create our own resource materials, kind of like what Ava and I have done with this Mechanical Kids program. You know, definitely my own websites, because we've shared a whole lot of information there. But, you know, I also do a whole lot of studies on things Uh, looking at SAE papers, even going back and reading old patents, Uh, you know, go to Google patents. And, you know, there's a lot of things that that you can learn there. Uh, Like when I invented the IMS solution, you know, that was a something that I came up with the very first time I took apart an M96 engine, the very first night, I said, why in the world did the factory put this here? This needs to be a plain bearing, you know, just like a (laughs) Metzger engine. And then what do I do? I start going to Google patents and I start looking it up to see if there's any infringements on that. And there's not. But the closest thing that came to it was basically an idler for a locomotive from the late 1800s that was self that was lubricated via engine oil. Kind of a crazy thing. And, And when we actually filed to have the formal search done for the patent, that actually did come up along with 900 pages of other things that we had to do office actions and fight with the U.S. Patent Office on over a period of five years to finally, you know, be issued that first patent for the IMS solution. So, you know, I think a lot of people don't really go to Google Patents and they don't really look at things that that may already exist, but I do.
0: Yeah, fascinating place. How about a book you've read? Is there one you'd like to share?
1: Honestly, I work so hard that if I sit down to read a book, I usually <laughs> fall asleep. Um, you give yeah, me give me I five minutes. Give me five minutes of sitting still, and I'm probably going to start to doze off. Uh, at yeah. the same time, a few years ago, I read a book about Thomas Edison, and it was called, you know, the business of invention. That gave me some some good things to think about when filing these patents, because a lot of times you have to not be in your own world about the art you've created. You have to think about what a copycat is going to try to do, how they can come along with something else, and they can try to you know, use or steal some of your novel concepts. And a lot of times people confuse a patent between a product and art, but there's never really a patent for a product. It's always for the art. That's a, the first thing that I tell people who are aspiring inventors when they come to me with an idea, and it happens a lot. They're like, well, I'll come up with this product. And I want to try to patent it. I said, hold on a minute turn that off. You need to come up with novel concepts that are basically art that you can then protect. And that's what the patent is for. That is definitely something that reading that book shared with me a lot of the things that I was able to apply. And you just have to think about anything and everything that the copycat, who of course is an imitator, not an originator, is going to try to do. And you have to cover those things first, or at least when you get your patent you have to basically file a continuation that allows you to incorporate things later. And I've actually done that with a couple of the patents.
0: Very cool. Well, I'll remind your listeners, you can find all these very cool things on Jake's very own show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. Just type Jake Arabi into the search bar and that'll pop up. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, A Couple's Humorous Journey Through the Confusing World of Finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt and it's probably the only book on finance with a v-max on the front cover and a classic mini cooper on the back the book's available at amazon for just ten dollars and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future i gave copies to each of my children all securities are through money concepts capital corp christopher kimball financial services is not affiliated with money concepts capital corp get your copy the saga of ike and penny today All right, Jake, we're back and it's time for the checkered flag. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. Something very fun, very unique, very different. There are a couple of rules to the game. One is it's the only one cool collector car you can have, which is going to make it very hard for you because you mentioned you have a lot of cars. You can only have one. You have to drive it. No garage queens. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of old cars back. So what can I park in your garage today?
1: Well, I listen to your show a lot. And I Thank had to you. think about I had to think about this one because, I'll bet. <laughs> you know, basically, I already own my dream car, which is a 1944 Volkswagen Kubelwagen. Basically, when you come home from the hospital, as an infant and the Volkswagen thing and you, you know, your father is part of the greatest generation and you learn about World War Two all the time, you end up wanting something like that. But, you know, I thought about it hard and I really don't care for anything that you could buy me, Mark. Um, Okay. (laughs) what I would want you to do is I would want you to give me an open checkbook. I could create my own car and build your own. Yeah, yeah, I I would I would take all my years of playing with stuff and I would pick out the engine that I think is the best. The gearbox, I think that's the best and I would do it my own way and I would build it so it would way outlast me. Um, because <laughs> nice. I'm a builder and that's what I want to do. Um, yeah. you know, it, it would be versatile, comfortable and safe. And, you know, of course it would be put together from all the best things. Um, you yeah. know, and I will say that some of the cars that, that I used to really like and, and could even be concert, considered a, a dream car. I've been able to buy some of those cars. And then I realized I really didn't want it after I owned it. And I turned around and sold it. (laughs) So yeah, you would would have to give me some parts and I would put together something that I would drive and keep forever.
0: I love that answer. That is a very cool, unique answer. And I think that is a tribute to your brain and who you are as a person, an inventor, a developer, uh, than the way you operate. So I got a big smile on my face from that one. That would be very cool. What's the best way for our listeners to keep in touch with you? Well, my personal Facebook
1: page is just, of course, Jake Raby. But we have a Facebook page for Flat Six Innovations. That's basically facebook.com slash broken 6 spelled S-I-X. That'll get you there fix a broken six uh also flat six innovations.com for all of the modern flat six m96 and newer stuff we work with engines of course with porsche specifically from 1950 all the way until present day i'm currently getting ready to start on an early engine for mr collier from a a gamoon coupe so we will be definitely doing everything from the earliest all the way until the latest at this point in time, about the latest thing we work with is a 2018. But yeah, those websites and also aircooledtechnology.com. If you're into the old air-cooled stuff and you want to put a crazy engine at a Beetle or a 912 or, you know, now that 914s are the hot thing to have again – I never stopped building those. They, they built this business. And it's kind of funny because back in the day when I did a lot of those, we were working on the M96 engines in the back of the shop and didn't tell anybody about it. Because I was afraid as soon as people learned I was working on those, they were going to think I gave up on the air-cooled stuff and they were going to stop <laughs> yeah. buying from me. So, yeah. but yeah, those those are some resources there that you can you can reach us through.
0: Very cool. I'll make sure, or very cool, I'll make sure I put links to those on Jake's show notes page so you can keep up. See if you can keep up with this guy. He's tough to keep up with, with his energy and activities and everything he's doing. And I'd like to do a shout out to uh, Past Cars, yeah, I guess, Charles Navarro of LN Engineering. He's the one that connected me with Jake. I'm so appreciative of that. Jake, thanks for being generous today with your time, your expertise, your energy, your um, innovation, and your inspiration with the listeners here today and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Same here. (laughs) There you go. Hey, Cars yeah! listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars yeah! podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah, Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device just like the Cars yeah podcast automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today.